like to introduce you to the Enoch Pratt Free Library Central Library's Poe Room. Um, thank you so much for coming out today to um, come to the um, Fiscal Sponsorship 101 program sponsored by the Grants Collection. And I'd like to, um, before we get started on today's program, just make sure we have a couple of logistical housekeeping type things done. Um, everyone by now you should have um, handouts that are from the table in the back as you are entering the room. You should have uh, two handouts from Fusion Partnerships, and you should have an evaluation form. And there's some other good handouts back there too, including program information throughout Enoch Pratt Free Library System, and also some contact information, some more information about the grants collection. Um, Food and drink is in the back as well. And uh, if you need to use the restroom at any point th today, you'll just want to go down the hall to your left, and the restroom will be on the right-hand side. It'll be near a water fountain. And um, today's program is also being podcasted. So that means that when you're, it's your time to speak, whether it's um, just a discussion time or question and answer part of the program, uh, the microphone will either be passed around or we'll have it right up front here. For now, though, I'd like to introduce you to Keith Gavazzi. He is a program assistant over at Fusion Partnerships, and he is doing today's program on Fiscal Sponsorship 101. So without further ado, let's give uh, Keith a big hand. Okay, so the first thing I want to do, we don't have too big of a group here, so fiscal sponsorship, at least in Fusion's eyes, is a lot about collaboration and whatnot. So the first thing I wanted to do is see if everybody in the room would want to like introduce yourself, tell me um, if you're here for like with a project or anything, um, mention what that project is, and then also um, if you could tell me what you were lo why you came to this, what you were looking to learn today. Um, I'm Damian Housling. I'm I work with uh, Word on the Street, which is a fusion part uh, group, um, but I'm here on my uh, personal, just for me. My name is Danielle Shank, and I am running an organization called Super Moms of Our Community, and I'm ahead for some personal information as well. My name is Wendy Chapman. I'm the pastor of a church here in Baltimore City, and I'm here to collect information about fiscal sponsorship so that I can share the information with others. My name is Catlin Clark. I'm the CEO and founder of CNC Advocacy. Um, I'm basically here uh, as we're on a mission to basically get some fiscal sponsorship, so looking for ideas and uh, possible sponsorships. I'm Reverend, Reverend Jacqueline Williams, and I'm here to learn about fiscal sponsorship and see how it would help me um, in a future endeavor of running a nonprofit. Hi, my name is Allison James. I currently work for the ACLU and am coming at this topic from two directions. One, sometimes we are fiscal sponsors, and two, I am a member of an advisory board for one of Fusion's programs. Hi, my name is Brenda West. Um, I own an assisted living facility, and we have a 501c3. And um, it's a lot of other assisted livings that aren't nonprofit, and they ask me to assist them um, 
you know, to get donations and grants. So I, I didn't understand how to prepare a fiscal sponsor. So that's why I'm here. Uh, I'm, my name is Michelle, and I'm an attorney. Um, and I've, I've I'm also passionate about physical fitness, and I've recently also become a personal trainer, and I'm trying to get some starts, uh, got some ideas and visions about getting kids off the streets and into the gyms and trying to get them passionate about physical fitness. So I want to sort of see what I can do. I mean, I'm fresh into this. This is brand new territory for me. So, <laughs> My name is Bernie Smith, and I'm thinking, trying to put together my own nonprofit um, called E-Club Project, dealing with technology, um, computer coding, um, trying to get kids and probably adults involved in the computer coding because that's, that's a lot of money. So that's why I'm here to, to get your information. I always saw you on the Internet, and I was like, let me get down here. Hi, my name is Kim Anderson, and I'm interested in starting a nonprofit, and I wanted to start with the fiscal sponsors. So thank you. Hi, my name is LaShonda Godwin, and I'm just interested in uh, learning how to start a nonprofit. I'm Cecily Jenkins, and I'm interested as well in learning how to start a nonprofit. That's how you doing. My name is uh, Tony Medine. I have a nonprofit in um, East Baltimore uh, known as um, Live, Learn Nation, where we teach uh, science, arts, and crafts, theater, um, also do exercises in uh, martial arts as well. And I'm trying to get a better understanding of um, physical sponsorships um, in contrast or versus uh, 501c3. Hi, my name is Janet Johnson, and I'm also interested in starting um, a nonprofit, so I want to understand the information a little better, the ins and outs. Well, this is great um, because a lot where a lot of you guys are at are coming from. Um, I think that fiscal sponsorship is definitely a tool that you're going to really want to consider and consider quite heavily, especially um, I don't know uh, uh, what kind of conversations you've had around starting your nonprofit. But if you talk to somebody who's got a, a leg in in the uh, the industry, um, who you know, when you say you'd like to start a nonprofit, you might see this kind of look in their eyes like, Ugh. part of that's because we are inundated with nonprofits. There are tons of them, and a lot of them are super redundant. Um, but the cool thing about fiscal sponsorship is it gives you it gives you a tool, especially starting out on the grassroots level. It gives you a tool um, through which you can access a lot of the resources of the larger nonprofit structure, um, but you kind of get that shelter and that way to like feel your idea out without having to have another 501c3 out there. Um, you, you know, you can, you can build the foundation and sort of start yourself as viable or not. Um, and you, so it gives you that kind of like trial period. Um, but what I'm going to do before I get too ahead of myself is start with this, with the PowerPoint and we're going to just talk about what fiscal sponsorship is, the concept of it, the different types of it, 
And then we'll start moving into whether it's for you or not and how to locate a fiscal sponsor. So, so what is fiscal sponsorship? Basically, when you become fiscal, fiscally sponsored, we get a lot of calls at Fusion, people asking if we hand out money and stuff. We don't do that. Um, fiscal sponsors don't typically do that unless they have a foundation arm of a, some sort. But what we do allow you to do is um, we support charitable activities for individuals or groups by extending tax-exempt status, um, enabling donors to make tax-exempt contributions to support their work or the work of your program. Uh, a fiscal sponsor accepts financial and legal liability for charitable work being done by the group or individuals. So what this means is when you come under a fiscal sponsor, you sign what we call a letter of agreement. And in that letter of agreement, this is the two-pronged side of it. You get access to the 501 status. You become a part of the entity, the fiscal sponsor entity. Um, but something to keep in mind that's two-pronged because going back your way, you become the – you give up any other – um, independent entity that you have. You become the fiscal sponsor. So Fusion has 61 member uh, programs and organizations. Um, we have YES as an example. Um, and YES, while YES is a program, YES is not its own legal entity. So when, when money is raised, it's given to not given to yes, it's given to Fusion Partnerships Incorporated. So this is one reason to think about your fiscal sponsor pretty critically because you got to work with somebody who you know is doing things properly, who's not going to take your money and spend it somewhere else, who's definitely going to um, be above board with you on all of those kind of issues. Uh, we do, unfortunately, come into contact with people who have been dealing with fiscal sponsors who have not been doing fiscal sponsorship um, sort of according to the best practices of the, of the uh, sector. And as a result, they ha have gotten in some positions where, oops, the board decides they don't want all the liability anymore of fiscally sponsoring programs. And, oh, by the way, we don't know where your money went or we're keeping your money as an administrative fee. And there's not much recourse there, unfortunately. Okay, so like I was just speaking about the liability, fiscal sponsor accepts financial and legal liability for the charitable work being done by the group or individuals. That is why we're so particular about who we accept as a program and why there's the application fee. Um, because ideally, we'd love to just allow everybody to get a crack at getting a program to work. But there are some realities behind it. Um, the realities are that when we do accept a program in, into our organization, we are also, like I said, taking them into our legal uh, identity um, or as un under our legal entity. What that means is that our board is ultimately responsible for the, de the decisions of that program. So um, all of the legal liability falls back on us. So there are two models of, of uh, fiscal sponsorship that are practiced most broadly. 
What I've mostly been referring to and what's most prevalent is comprehensive fiscal sponsorship. Within fiscal sponsorship circles, we call this Model A. What that means is that you full-on become um, an arm of, say, Fusion or your fiscal sponsor. You become part of their legal entity. Um, that also means that they manage your funds, typically. They uh, take care of all the back office stuff, payroll, insurance, things like that. Uh, it's liberating in a lot of ways because it allows you to focus on what you got involved to do in the first place. Because um, as any, you know, any nonprofit that's made the transition from small to mid-sized or you know, from small to mid-sized to large um, understands, the executive director... At the end, like by the time you've got employees, by the time you've got a good amount of grants income coming in, by the time you've got multiple programs you're enacting, you're not really doing any of the programming yourself, um, which means that you're spending all of your time, you know, figuring out what's going on with the audit, making sure payroll happens, uh, you know, board management, stuff like that. One of the liberating sides of coming under a fiscal sp sponsor is that you're free to run your program, um, especially for people that are on the grassroots level. You're free to run your program. We've had a number of programs um, that do come to us that give up their 501 status because they found it's just too much to maintain, whereas instead they can come under fusion and sort of spend all of their time actually it, like administrating and implementing the actual program work. So, sure. One moment. Just one moment. How would a 501c3 be too much to maintain, as you just said? Okay, so like I just mentioned, the, the, the services that a fiscal sponsor offers, um, like payroll management, um, like insurance, making sure you have all of that liability insurance, making sure all of those bills get paid on time, not only that, but also keeping an active board, which is tough because people come and go. The board is volunteer-based kind of. Um, not only that, but also you know, doing all of the legal work with the IRS in terms of your 990 accounting and um, audits and whatnot. That's a big side of it. Uh, does that answer? Okay. I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, um, after we run through the program. I'm going to open it up for question and answer, so we'll probably hold questions off until then. Okay, so the other model is pre-approved grant relationship fiscal sponsorship. Um, this is what we call Model C. Now, this is, um, this is a type of fiscal sponsorship that um, that only allows programs to uh, it's it's basically called kind of regranting. So, fusion, for instance, would only would only um, manage the actual fundraising for a particular project. Then we would partner with either an individual or LLC of some sort and turn the funds over to them. Now. Fusion is then responsible for making sure or for being ultimately accountable for the funds being spent on that at that charitable project. But this is a way that um, a lot of for-profit businesses 
can not have to go full on into nonprofit work if they want to do have like a an arm that does do charitable work and gives back to the community. Um, the other side of this is it gives you a little more it gives you a little more leeway uh, and freedom in terms of uh, what is going on with the money. For instance, the money doesn't have to hit our books, go through our accounting process, and then, um, you know, be a check request doesn't have to be submitted to us for what's going to happen with the money. So things can happen a little more quickly. Uh, an example of a option that where that works better is say so, we're exploring currently with uh, one program that's come to us, a uh, market, a uh, community market. And since they'll want to ultimately manage all of their inventory and be able to have things move fluidly in that way, we're kind of exploring this type of grant uh, fiscal sponsorship relationship with them. Okay, so this just ex re-explains the comprehensive fiscal sponsorship. Uh, this fiscally sponsored project becomes a program of the fiscal sponsor and is a fully integrated part of the fiscal sponsor. It must align with the sponsor's mission and the sponsor assumes all legal and financial responsibility for the project, its employees, and its activities. So then we're getting back to what I was mentioning before about liability and how it's a two-way street there because the fiscal sponsor kind of like takes on all of that legal liability, but at the same rate, all of your grants income is technically owned by the fiscal sponsor and your it depends on the agreement that you that you sign but sometimes that can include intellectual property rights and that can also include uh, or usually does include actual physical assets so computers things like that in a pre-approved grant relationship the project does not become a program belonging to the fiscal sponsor but is a separate entity responsible for managing its own tax reporting and liability issues. The sponsor assures the project will use funds for the purpose of the project. So like I said, that gives you a little more freedom but at the same time um, allows you to raise grants, uh, tax deductible donations. So often, something to mention, oftentimes the fees that are associated are reflective of this amount of liability that the fiscal sponsor is taking on. So um, we take a higher fee for comprehensive fiscal sponsorship than we do for pre-approved grant relationships. So we can talk about sponsored project categories. Now in the, in the first slide about uh, comprehensive fiscal sponsorship, it was mentioned that the program has to be in alignment with the fiscal sponsor's mission. For fusion, our mission is oriented towards social justice. So we don't take programs that don't have, so, that aren't working actively towards social justice. Um, that's defined for our organization as connecting people with resources that they previously would not have had access to. Um, but if there are things that, you know, there are projects that can be good for a community that aren't necessarily directly aligned with uh, social equality or resources in that way. So that would be an example of a program that we wouldn't be interested in taking on 
but that um, we may refer to another fiscal sponsor. Um, so if we take a look at what fiscal sponsors are out there, a great resource is fiscalsponsorsdirectory.org. And that's uh, sort of a catalog of all the fiscal sponsors that are in the United States. Um, of those fiscal sponsors, more than a third will sponsor projects in at least a dozen service categories. Arts and culture are by far the most popular project category, and education is the next largest category of service. After that, we have services for children, youth, and families. So that gives you an idea of what the layout is of, the, of uh, sort of what fiscal sponsors are out there. So we have the biggest one is arts and culture. Um, that's especially attractive for artists because a lot of times artists will, as their own legal entity, you know, conduct business and whatnot, but they may have a project that they're doing with a community, and then fiscal sponsorship allows them to not have to be a full nonprofit because that's just something they would never be interested in but still get grants in order to do work within their community. Say, like, the Open Walls Project in Station North with the murals everywhere. It's a good example. Um, so after that, we've got education. And after that, we've got uh, services for children, youth, and families. So youth programming. So, I'm sorry. I just want to add in one thing. Um, towards the end of the program, I'll make sure to show another part of the um, Foundation Center resources that deal with fiscal sponsorship, and it does highlight both the individual and the nonprofit side for resources to go along with what Keith is presenting today. So um, we'll talk a little bit about the history of fiscal sponsorship now. Before the 1950s, only about 152,000 501c3s were operating. By 2008, we've got 1.4 million in the nation. Um, on a smaller scale, fiscal sponsorship has followed that same sort of trajectory of growth starting in the late 1960s and 70s. But that, if you see that number, how that's ballooned, that kind of drives home how useful it can be for the you know, organizations to come under than under a fiscal sponsor rather than going through the cost and the time of getting their own 501c3. One of the handouts that uh, was available to you when you came in that I'm going to refer to in a couple slides is starting your own 501c3 versus going with a fiscal sponsor. That's a great resource. It's something we show to just about everybody who walks through our doors or sends us an application. Um, and it sort of highlights all of the benefits versus uh, costs. So a number of new fiscal sponsors jumped in in the 1990s. The pace of new fiscal sponsors has accelerated with 37% forming since 2000. There's now a national network of fiscal sponsors, which serves to improve the practice of fiscal sponsorship and promote its value to society. So that's something that's a pretty relatively new development. Uh, Fusion ourselves sits on the steering committee of the National Network of Fiscal Sponsors. And that's a group that just started launching their membership campaign. If uh, There's a link 
on the back of the two-page handout, I believe. And um, if you just, on Fusion's webpage, if you go to our webpage, there's a link on our front page. Uh, so the National Network of Fiscal Sponsors has drafted a set of best practices, of guidelines. So if you're looking for a potential fiscal sponsor and you want to know who's doing things properly and on the up and up, that's a great organization to take a look at who becomes a member there, which is going to start happening within the next six months to a year. So, so this kind of uh, rev it goes along lines with that sheet that I was just speaking about that uh, was handed out when you guys came in. So we've got starting a 501c3. It's kind of the best option for projects with funding, program has a track record, a board, administration, financial staff in place. If you've got a lot of experience and you got a lot of resources in that way, um, it can work out quite well for you. Uh, the, now, on the other hand, the best option for new, innovative, experimental projects needing administrative and financial management support is fiscal sponsorship. We do what we call incubation. And so if you come to us and you have a great idea, the way I kind of like to, like to characterize fusion is a bridge that sort of connects the grassroots, organizers at the grassroots level with all of the resources that are traditionally available to the nonprofit industrial complex. That means access to the ability to fundraise, but it also means access to all kinds of other resources that are kind of more intangible, organizing resources. We can help you figure out a logic model for your program. We can sort of take you from the ground, just the idea, and walk you through the whole process. I don't know if any of you are familiar with the Baltimore Free Farm, but that's a program that came into Fusion just as I was starting to get involved with Fusion. And they're a great example of some kids that saw a vacant lot, they saw the potential of it, they figured out how to get their hands on a lease for it from the city, and then they came to us and it's ballooned up from there, the, the amount of work that they've been able to do. And um, both within our network and through trainings that we've done with them and our financial oversight and stuff like that, We've made sure that they haven't made any decisions, and they've wanted to sometimes make some decisions that would have been overextending themselves, and they just didn't have the insight to realize that, hey, this is not a, such a good idea, something like that. And so through that kind of guidance and incubation, we've allowed them to become a much larger organization that's much more effective, that's reaching a much larger segment of Baltimore than they originally had started it out. Okay, so first steps in starting a 501c3 are to incorporate as a legal entity in the state um, and to file a 1023, SS44, state documents and registrations, etc. So there's a whole lot of bureaucracy to go through with that. Um, and it's a long, protracted process that also it can be pretty costly um, financially and time-wise. However, on the other hand, with a fiscal sponsor, your first step is to find the fiscal sponsor and evaluate them. Now, that's, that's some due diligence to do on your side, but I think you'll find it's a lot, it's a lot easier to get rolling um, if then you just fill out the, the if you just go through the fiscal sponsor's application process. For instance, it can take like around four years to get your nonprofit status accepted. And, but we typically will either approve and deny a program after they've applied to us within like a month or two months. Um, some of our programs 
come under us so that they can start, they can hit the ground running and they can start their project while they're doing all of the work to get the 501c3. So it's, a, it's kind of like a shelter in that way. Okay, so further comparison, uh, starting your own 501c3, um, the governing documents and governance that you'll need are the, your articles of incorporation and your bylaws, which are kind of sort of the more complicated and, and uh, time-intensive documents to draw up in creating the infrastructure for your program, and also a board of directors you'll have to have. Um, however, under a fiscal sponsorship, uh, your governing document is basically the letter of agreement. So that kind of outlines what your responsibilities are to the fiscal sponsor, what the fiscal sponsor's responsibilities are to you. It's a lot more simple. Um, and also you'll need a, an advisory board under the, uh, which functions under the fiscal sponsorship. Uh, board of directors. So essentially, the advisory board doesn't carry the legal liability that the ultimate fiscal sponsors board of directors does, but they're going to be the people who say you do become your own nonprofit one day. They're going to be the people you look to to be your board. They're also going to be the people that drive your decision making and that sort of like help steer the organization on like a meta level. And uh, whereas it, your board of directors actually actually have that legal responsibility. So. Um, so you can see that it's a little less to manage in terms of administrative overhead and stuff. We kind of, another way I like to present so what we do is that we kind of take all of these redundant things. So maybe a program doesn't need a full board of directors. You know, maybe they're just putting school supplies in the hands of, of kids that need them and they're not they don't have these huge protracted ideas and everything because there's a place for that within the nonprofit sector as well well they don't need to manage a board of directors they don't need those headaches they don't want those headaches so we can manage all of that for them um, so it takes kind of all of these redundant things and also accounting is a good example um, whereas if you had every one of fusion's programs, have their own accounting done, that would be like 61 different part-time positions, um, or in some cases, like maybe 58 part-time positions and three full-time positions or something similar to that. We can take all that and make it a little more efficient with working with our economy of scale in that way. It's kind of like a, a almost like a union of grassroots organizers in that kind of way. So a further comparison, uh, looking at tax-deductible contributions. Um, for starting your own 501c3, you're only able to take them uh, after you've been approved by the IRS, as a, um, and they're, only, they're made payable to your organization. So your actual program's name is who they're made payable to. Um, you have to do legal reporting of those, and you which will include a 990 state registration and a, a number of other different uh, forms. Under a fiscal sponsorship, um, as soon as your letter of agreement is signed, that donation is then tax deductible. As long as it comes to Fusion, 
it is then tax deductible. Um, alternately, that means that donations have to be made to your fiscal sponsor's name. It's because they're the entity accepting it. If they're made to your program's name, then number one, you're not going to have anywhere to deposit it unless you have an LLC in your own bank account with that. But also, it's not going to be tax deductible to the donor. Um, so the way that we work that at Fusion often is if it's like a check, then it's made out to Fusion Partnerships Incorporated, but within the memo line, the program's name. That goes into our accounting system, and that money is, while it all hits the same account, uh, bank account-wise, it is uh, divided out through our accounting system into your for your program or not. So, under a 501c3, uh, you're responsible for fundraising, assets, accounts payable, staffing and payroll, insurance, debts and liabilities, leases and rents, administration, and all of your own training. Um, under a fiscal sponsor, the fiscal sponsor, or the program is, uh, the fiscal sponsor itself is responsible for support program to support program efforts the ownership of assets ultimately accounts payable so utilizing and managing program funds to make sure that bills get paid on time that there's money there for the bills to be paid uh, insurance coverage uh, which there are some additional costs that are involved depending on your program we have a large general liability policy that covers like um, volunteers and stuff like that but if you have say for the free farm we had to get more specific insurance out additional insurance taken out for uh, some of their spaces and or garden activities and that additional cost is borne by the program um, the fiscal sponsor is responsible ultimately for debts and liabilities leases and rents administration and varying amounts of capacity building. So when a lease is signed, the fiscal sponsor is the one that signs the lease, not your, act your actual program. One thing that, one way in which that is a benefit is that the fiscal sponsor reads the lease and helps you negotiate it, uh, which is a big support to some people that haven't had that kind of uh, experience before. So the cost for fiscal sponsorship. Costs for fiscal sponsorship typically range from 5 to 20%, depending on the services that are provided. Again, I spoke, about, I spoke about comprehensive fiscal sponsorship versus pre-approved grant relationships. And that 5 to 20% is kind of like industry-wide we're talking about. For Fusion, it's more like 5 to 10%. And that's of grants income or money managed. So... Um, these are often taken as program fees from revenue generated. However, there are some creative ways because some funders don't like to fund um, a fiscal sponsor in that way. There are some creative ways to write it into uh, grant applications that are sort of more along the lines of like writing it in as a administrative line um, or part part of the position of the, say, one of the managing partners or something in a salary kind of way. Um, so
So here are some resources that we recommend. The, the Colvin book, Fiscal Sponsorship, Six Ways to Do It Right, is that is the book. Um, Colvin wrote the book on fiscal sponsorship, and uh, that's kind of outlines if you want to get into creating your own fiscal sponsorship organization or um, if you already are doing fiscal sponsorship and you want to make sure you're doing it right, that's the, that's the resource to go to. Um, the National Network of Fiscal Sponsors, fiscalsponsors.org, is what I referred to earlier. Again, that's I would really recommend taking a look there at that website once the membership gets rolling um, because everyone who – the application process for membership to that means that uh, they've had their books looked at, means that they've had their uh, their sort of – not all of their bylaws, but their – uh, organizational accountability and stuff like that looked at, um, and that they're in keeping with the best practices of the uh, of fiscal sponsorship. And the white paper on fiscal sponsorship is another one we we recommend. That's from a fiscal sponsor, Third Sector New England, and that's where that comparison sheet that you guys have came from. Okay, so that's about it. I would like to now open it up for questions. To, um, if you have any specific questions about fiscal sponsorship, how it works, that kind of thing. So we're, we're going to wait till the mic gets to you, and then we'll be good. So you said the fee for fiscal anyone connecting with a fiscal sponsorship, the fee is from five to twenty percent. Um, you said of the revenue, that means any, say, per se, just throw it out there, someone was able to tap into a $50,000 grant. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, 5 to 20% of that Correct. would be our fees for fiscal sponsorship. Correct. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and any monies that's taken in. And is this like a... When you said 5 to 20%, is this one time a year? Is this a monthly thing, or how, how do you do that? So it kind of varies by fiscal sponsor. Mm -hmm. I can say speak to Infusion's case. We kind of just do it as things come in. So it, we don't look at it like at the end of the year, everything that you did, but like kind of ongoing as it hits our books, like depending. We actually just ha currently are at rates of 5% for pre-approved grant, grant relationships and 10% for comprehensive fiscal sponsors. So as the money rolls in, we that 10% comes out of each donation or grant. Okay. Yes, um, do you become a, a subsidiary of uh, the fiscal sponsorship? Okay, so yeah, that's what we were talking about with the entity relationship there. You, everything you do legally becomes that fiscal sponsor. So it's not something to enter into lightly on, on your end either. I know a lot of people, you get the chance and you're like, oh, this is a great opportunity, great resources, but it also opens you up to a lot of uh, risks for your own, for your, like your own activities moving forward. You don't want to build something and then suddenly have it yanked out from under you or co-opted by another organization. So you kind of want to talk to people, 
try to figure out, take a look at who their other programs are, who they've dealt with in the past, what has their experience been like. Specifically, as a program that moved on from them, um, what is their impression of the organization? As a 501c3, is it possible to receive financial support from a physical sponsor, uh, such as a bequest, um, through the provision of an established agreement without relinquishing my rights as a 501c3? So you're talking about can you accept, can through a fiscal sponsor, can you accept like bequest donations? So you could maybe, that's something that I'd want to like vet with my board and our legal people and stuff, but I could see potential with. Uh, a type of pre-approved grant relationship to work in that way. We have uh, about four people uh, in line, so I'm going to start in the back corner here. I sort of have like two questions. Sure. Um, a fiscal sponsorship, is is that only a, a partnership for each, like say each grant, like a, if I'm getting one $50,000 grant, you know, because kind of like the way I received it is like we're going to be partners on whatever my company does. But it's just like if I'm getting a fifty thousand dollar grant, and I and you guys is for that one particular project, right? Each okay, project. so that would be the that would be the difference kind of between the comprehensive fiscal sponsorship or pre-approved grant relationship. Meaning that pre-approved grant relationship is means that the money is then turned over to you, and you have your own legal entity that's going to keep going independent of the fiscal sponsor. Whereas if you were coming under a, a, us for comprehensive fiscal sponsorship, it would be all of your activities from there forward. You're giving up your legal independence to become part of the fiscal sponsor. Um, so from that day forward, like all of your activities moving forward are going to have to be done through the fiscal sponsor if you want um, that legal and, yeah, um, the shelter that comes with being your own legal entity. Well, if that was the case, would you guys help write the grant? So we <laughs> – so so it depends on the fiscal sponsor, what resources there are available in that kind of way. I know Fusion, it's a big push for us currently to try to move towards having part-time grant writing staff. Um, right now it's not so feasible, uh, but as we grow, our income grows, and there's more things that we can do. But one thing that we do – is proofread grants. You have to send the grants to your fiscal sponsor before you send them into the foundation or government body that is given, that you're applying for. Um, the reasons for this are you will have written the grant, but the fiscal sponsor will kind of proofread it to make sure, number one, you haven't ex overextended yourself because sometimes when you're writing a grant, it's easy to kind of get carried away and you're, suddenly, you know, you're guaranteeing the world you know and the end of world hunger and world peace like by the end of it and you know it's uh it's kind of the fiscal sponsor can kind of serve as that person to kind of rein you in and be like well i don't think that we want to guarantee that we'll do this is that really all that realistic what does your project look like is your budget correct can we and then we can help you work with those kind of things but the prime primarily the grant is written by the program or the program staff in our case Last question. Would um, you as the fiscal sponsor give me a copy 
of your 50163 status? Does they do they do that? Yeah. So oftentimes, when you do apply for that, uh, apply for a grant, they'll want sort of like a copy of the 501c3 letter for the fiscal sponsor. If you're a, if you're a fiscally sponsored program, also a statement that you are affiliated with that, and and that's another reason why you got to get the grants to the fiscal sponsor and as early as you can because there are a few documents that have to accompany your grant. Mm -hmm. uh, the letter of agreement, what exactly is in that, and is there a beginning date and ending date? So typically it will have a beginning date and an ending date. It will outline all of the responsibilities that the fiscal sponsor has to you and all the responsibilities that you have to the fiscal sponsor. And it'll outline what happens, say, upon termination of the of the letter of agreement. Um, you know, it, it'll that's where you're going to want to be really critical. You're going to want to understand what it means. Like, say, enough, say this isn't working out, and you you don't want to be fiscally sponsored by this program anymore. Maybe you want to look elsewhere. That kind of thing. What what options do you have for early termination? Um, what options did they have for early termination? What happens to assets? And all of that stuff will be outlined in the letter of agreement. Okay, so looking at the pre-approved grant relationship piece, um, I guess my question would be, I, I know understanding that comprehensive means that, you know, you basically, under their umbrella, you're... you're all in it's no you know it's kind of like you basically have to do what what's said by that particular organization um but looking at the pre-approved piece what in terms of like funding you know i write a grant um, i get the grant or i write the grant the grants in your your establishment's name what's the process you know what i mean in terms of me getting my funding and, and moving forward. In a, in a pre-approved grant relationship. Yes. So once the grant is, or fundraising campaign is completed, once it's been awarded, then essentially we turn it over to the, your legal entities. That would usually be an LLC. Sometimes it's in an individual. But that turning that over also comes with, I mean, we turn that over minus the fee. Mm -hmm. And then that... Um, funds, those funds being turned over also guarantee that the money will be used for that charitable yes. purpose. So we'll basically, you know, have statements and write letters and things like that and have receipts and let you yeah. guys know we're using the funds. And the right, so we'll need to see uh, some kind of proof of that. Okay, um, one other question in terms of so I have my own financial people, I have my own account folks that are doing, dealing with my finances. Mm -hmm. What, you know, you guys basically need to have some approval for them as well, or so they would just be the people that we then go to to say, "Can all right now you've fulfilled this grant, the obligations of this grant? Can you show us proof of that?" Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Two questions. Mm -hmm. If you wanted to find templates for these two different kinds of agreements, would they be in the Colvin book that you mentioned? Uh, yeah, there are there are templates there. Okay. Mm -hmm. And does an organization ever go from one model to another? 
your uh, that's yeah um you know that can be cumbersome depending on what the legal agreement structure looks like for the actual fiscal sponsor from fiscal to sponsor to fiscal sponsor mm-hmm. um for fusion we often will sign projects on um, or give them the option of coming on as uh with more hands off and if their program develops and becomes more uh more of a say somebody just has a project that they have their own legal entity and they have this project that they want to do we can partner w- with them on the pre-approved grant relationship but if that project kind of grows mm-hmm. and becomes its own program and and more activities arise out of that work then the option is always there to come under us for full fiscal sponsorship okay. could you put the slide back up that had the white paper notation on it I'd like to grab that sure Um, I guess mine would be a multiple question also. Um, uh, one of the questions, one of the questions was if you uh, um, if you adopted by a fiscal sponsor, and um, and um, the relationship you said the sponsor gets the money right, mm-hmm. and they monitor the activities, and uh, I guess they disperse the funds based on the spending needs of the, uh, the sponsory. Mm-hmm. Okay, and um, the other question was um, about. Um, uh, do they participate in the grant writing process? Was your answer really yes? That they do participate. So, so first on your first question, that was all accurate, provided that it's a comprehensive fiscal sponsorship model. Um, and on your second question, my answer is yes, but the degree to which is that we proofread the grants, that we will offer support to if you don't know, like if you're trying to draft a budget and you're you know, having some issues or if you're finding issues with how things are worded, but the ultimate responsibility falls on the program. Okay, that, man, this is the reason I asked that, because um, um, because if you participate in the grant writing process, you can write, you, as, a, as a sponsor, you can write your 5 to 20% into the, to the, um, the grant award amount. Yes. Isn't that true? Yes, and okay. sometimes we can do do that. It it that changes from grant to grant and from funder to funder. They like to see it in different ways, um, but yeah, sometimes but we it, have it to get pretty not. creative about that fee and where and where it's coming from and stuff like that. So it might not take away from the person that's using the, um, utilizing um, the five hundred one c three because they can get their full award amount. Yeah, so that's kind of like a kind of like a semantic kind of uh, designation in that like. If we say say there's a a five thousand dollar grant and our ten percent comes out of that, if you were to tack that five percent on top of that, then that's one way that it can go. Um, or you know, it, if it comes out on the back end, it's kind of the same, but it it's just written two different ways. I was just trying to get a more clear understanding of the pre, what is this, the, the pre-approved, pre-approved mm-hmm. um, initiatives. Um, so, so you're saying now, I know with the, uh, the, 
the fiscal sponsor, you take all responsibilities of, say, uh, my grant and my, you know, I'm using your 501c3 and you're doing all the work mm -hmm. except for, you know, maybe m my ideas on paper mm -hmm. and you're approving it and proofreading it and all of that. But with the pre-approve, it's like... It's so it's only, at that point, we're only responsible for the activities of that specific project. Just for the one, right. each, each individual project. Because you have your own insurance, you have your own legal identity otherwise. Um, so an example would be if you have a, if you have a, if you're a comprehensive fiscal sponsor or if you're comprehensively fiscally sponsored mm -hmm. and one of your, um, say you have a program officer or something like that, that is driving a program vehicle or something and runs into somebody else in a parking lot. Mm -hmm. The fiscal sponsor has all of that liability for that. Okay. However, if you're pre, -approved. pre if you're your own physical entity, mm -hmm. the fiscal sponsor only has liability to make sure that the funds were spent on that program's development and then if that person then takes a company vehicle that is then not owned by the fiscal sponsor and also not insured by the fiscal sponsor and, you know, runs into somebody in a parking lot, then your company is liable. So. Okay. Okay. I had a question, but it was, well, the second question has already been answered, I believe. Okay. The first question is, um, as it relates to Fusion Partnership Incorporated, have you all actually uh, developed a physical sponsorship relationship with religious nonprofit organizations? So, yeah, we have. Um, we have... The comprehensive. Yeah. So we have had examples... Um, where I wouldn't say that, what do you mean in terms of religious? A church or like a ministry, a church. yes. Okay, As we, well, we've never comprehensively fiscally sponsored a church itself, like uh -huh. the works of a church, because like I said, we're social justice oriented. Uh -huh. So while somebody from a faith community may have an idea to work towards social justice, motivated by their faith, something like that, then they would start a program, and we would fiscally sponsor that program, but not the actual faith institution itself. Okay. So that leads me to my second question, which you already answered, which is, is there a possibility that religious organizations with an after-school or an adult education program, GED program, uh, could actually develop a fiscal sponsorship Mm -hmm. with, with your organization, and your answer is yes. It would be a pre-approved program just for the after-school or GED program. It, it could be a pre-approved program. Um, that would be a great way to run it because the uh, religious organization already has mm -hmm. all of that infrastructure to manage it. Okay. Um, that would be a great way to run it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm just looking at the current, the project you are currently uh -huh. doing so far. I have a friend of mine that's doing one called Baltimore City Sprouts. Okay. And yeah. Gary. Yeah, Gary's a great guy. 
So I'm looking at doing a project that's more like innovative. Is that what you, you know, what your company deals with? Or yeah. So we do have some people within our network. We have uh, people that are working sort of with um, sort of training uh, people within like the IT community and trying to uh, get people trained and have access to jobs with that, specifically people that are reentering the community after periods of incarceration, um, because, uh, often because that type of work is more accessible to them. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, because my piece is uh, social justice. Uh-huh. I'm trying to get more people involved in computer training, um, have their own computers and tablets. Right. So one of our questions on our application is how, how does your program address issues of social justice? Right. Um, how will you work to achieve that? Right. And so... In your case, I would definitely see that the remember for fusion, we define it as giving um, giving groups of people access to resources that they would otherwise not have access to, right. be cut off from. Right. So I can definitely see that element there. Yeah, because mine is dealing with a digital divide. Mm-hmm. Digital, pretty much now, people don't have the, exactly. the computers. So that would just be addressed within the application. Back to the insurance question, um, you said, uh, I understand, like, you would be sort of responsible for anything that happened within, you know, like, if I had a driver who hit somebody, I get mm-hmm. that part, but, like, for, for my, um, you know, I have to have insurance as a personal trainer if I'm training someone, so, like, mm-hmm. it, would you also cover that if what I'm doing is working with children, I mean, my... The social justice end of it would be the you know tr- as sort of an alternative for the juvenile justice because I've been a public defender for 15 uh-huh. years, it doesn't work. Right. <laughs> and so we just want to uh, you know the motivation. I just see kids who get into physical fitness. The motivation I- I- is huge. So, but the in- there's the personal insurance like on me as a personal trainer versus the per- the insurance on the program that I d- I'm trying to develop right. as an alternative to incarceration for youth. Um, so I mean like is, that's. The, I'm trying to see if so that's like a more specific in, uh, situation that we would want to speak with our insurance providers about, gotcha. um, and so, sometimes that just is the matter of overlapping levels of insurance, and you know having all of our bases covered in that way, it may require additional insurance in which you would have to fundraise for that additional insurance costs. Gotcha. And just a very brief question. I think you answered. I just don't know that I heard, I heard it properly. The gentleman who was talking about the grant writing and how much you do, when you say that we help with issues, but the grant writing is on the program, is that in both cases or just in the? Is that in the comprehensive as well that you don't write the grant, you just help us write? Correct. Or Correct. Or and I would say that in the pre-approved grant relationship, um, we do. We would probably be willing to offer even less support okay. than we would with the. Um, with a comprehensive fiscal sponsor in that like we probably I don't know that we would be so willing to like help you make all the budget designs and stuff like that but a true startup who wanted to do the full fiscal sponsorship you would like help but not exactly I, I mean, I'm not saying I said you would we're, do the whole thing the way to consider is that we'd be here for guidance but okay. you'd be doing most of the work okay thank you
I have a question. Sure. <laughs> How often does uh, Fusion Partnerships do site visits okay. to the um, projects and individuals that are getting funded? Okay. Yeah. So we are we're pretty hands off in terms of the amount of oversight that we want to have of our programs. We basically want you guys to be free to do your work. We want to take all of the impediments out of your way. Um, we want you to be the most effective at following what you were passionate to get into this in the first place for. And so we're here. We do. We will do site visits, um, but usually at the request or collaboratively with the programs, um, not at like a routine interval or anything like that. We do have some reporting that programs have to do to us uh, twice a year that kind of just sums up their activity for the year and also allows us to get an idea um, so that for Fusion's purposes ourselves, we can understand what our impact is on the whole com on the community, like as a whole. Um, and then we can then use that to create a narrative sort of of what our work is actually yielding um, on Baltimore as a whole. Thank you, Keith. And um, one more question, and this kind of ties into grant making. Um, foundation grant makers, they uh, sometimes, if, if let's say a nonprofit applies for a grant and they're turned down, they're maybe told as a reason that they're turned down is because there's just not enough funding at this point to to give you a grant. Mm -hmm. like we just don't have enough money to give you a grant. Um, what would you say is the biggest reason why someone would be turned down for fiscal sponsorship? Um, so the biggest reasons that I can think of that we, that Fusion ourselves turns down uh, groups, we made the decision a few years back to be Baltimore-focused. So a lot of times people will contact us from outside, of, that are doing out work outside of Baltimore, and we may not be interested in that. Mission, not being aligned with our mission is another big one, um, whereas we don't really see the angle for social justice necessarily, um, and they can't really effectively make that case. Um, I will say that social justice is kind of a big idea, and a lot of times there's a, there's a, a case to be made in a lot of different activities to say, it, uh, to say that they connect people with resources in, in other ways, but if you can't really effectively communicate that to us, that shows us you're not really ready to step up to the plate and start with the programming. Um, furthermore, I would also say that sometimes programs have visions that get them into liability areas that we are not quite interested in being part of um, because we also kind of have to think of it as we have 61 programs that are doing all kinds of great work, and if we go away, they go away. And so we kind of have to be not only looking out for ourselves liability-wise, but uh, our whole community of social justice that's under us. Thank you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start in the back, and we're going to move our way up front. I'm sorry to keep going back to the comprehensive. and uh, um, But the comprehensive, say, um, you do take your 5%, mm -hmm. so then we now we owe insurance. So mm -hmm. you're going to subtract. So now you take 5%, so I get 95%, right? Mm -hmm. But then you're going to subtract also the insurance from the 95% prior to giving it to the 
Correct. So we do it when the grant comes in. So that's off of off the top, off of the overall grant amount, um, and it's ten percent for comprehensive fiscally sponsored programs. And the so we take that ten percent on the grants income, and then if you do need additional insurance, now part of what's covered in that ten percent is access to our general liability um, coverage. So not all programs need to get additional insurance in that way. But if you did need to get additional insurance to supplement what we cover right off the bat, then that would come out of what's left after that 10%. But any, all the expenses, I mean, I just use the insurance. Mm -hmm. all the, the expenses come out of your account but not, but total. You after. And then issue it to the company. Yeah, so basically the invoices come to Fusion Partnerships because, like I said, you're no longer an independent legal entity once you come under Fusion. So technically Fusion is built for everything that you're, um, that you're liable for. And the same with the uh, approval. Exactly. Approved. Well, no, with the pre-approved grant relationship, you then, you you take care of managing all of the funds from that point out. So we take the 5%, and then we turn the money over to you to manage. So we don't take care of, you know, billing or payroll or any of that. Oh, so that agreement would just state that my company is responsible for that. So. Exactly. And one way, one way that it's um, termed that's a little easier to wrap your head around is re-granting. So it's like the grant comes to us, and then we... Oh. Yeah. That's a great term, regret. Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever find, uh, is there it ever, ever any um, big clashes, you know, friction between you when it comes down and the uh, grantee, you know, the, the owner, you know, of, of the program when it comes down to... Um, the rules that you have set in place okay. um, and that person who's receiving the grant, do you ever find that heads are clashing or? So that's not a big problem for us specifically because all of that's all of the yeah, issues of, with that are kind of worked out worked in the out. letter of agreement process. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when you, if you are accepted to become a fusion uh, program, then our letter, we have a meeting with you, and we go over the letter of agreement and our policies and procedures so that you know what is expected of you as a program moving forward. Mm -hmm. And say if we have had people who the whole program is kind of designed around there, we have a clause in there for intellectual property that it technically is fusions. We don't have any interest in, like, co-opting people's ideas or anything, so we turn that kind of stuff over when we turn over the program. But we ha do have people, some people, say that are a local affiliate of a national organization that have all kinds of intellectual property in terms of, like, logos and stuff like that, that they need to keep the, all of that property rights with the national organization or something like that. And then we can just change the, the letter of agreement to reflect that. And it's negotiated out between us at that point. Um, I will say also that sometimes we have issues with compliance. So, yeah. So then um, we're kind of in the process at Fusion right now 
of sort of formalizing and um, getting creative about how we enforce compliance. Because like I said, we're not really interested in penalizing programs in any ways. I know that for other fiscal sponsors that are larger, sometimes there are fees that are taken if you don't get things in by a deadline, if your check request comes in late, stuff like that. We're more, um, we're more oriented towards the grassroots. We understand where people are coming from in terms of what kind of funding they have to work with in the first place. And so we are trying to get creative about that, but the process and the policy is being drafted currently um, with our board. So. Um, so this one's actually really specific. Um, I just thought of something. Um, the word on the street just received. We we're in a new office now, and we received um, in kind donations. And mm -hmm. I was thinking about you know when we receive money, we have to turn uh -huh. over you. But the letter that we're going to send to the donors, does, mm -hmm. do you guys have to send that? So yeah, okay. You should you All should right, talk, we'll talk to, to us you. about that. Yeah. <laughs> We, the discussion came up just yesterday in the meeting. We were thinking of, okay, uh, I was going to write those, but then I realized that maybe I can't. Yeah, we that. have boilerplate stuff that we can just forward along to you. So. so I was hearing you said new building, and I was thinking, um, I'm sure you guys are comprehensive? Yes. Okay. If you were pre approved, would, would Fusion assist in terms of like, uh, I guess obtaining a you know a space if you were, were so pre-approved. That's all. That's basically all on you because you have your own legal entity. You would be the one that's signing the lease, not Fusion. Yes. And also, so like all of the negotiating of that is is on you in that way. So. Uh, so one more, because you said I know you said LLC or you know personal. We're we're a corporation. Does uh -huh. that make a difference? No, that you know that's a a legal entity that we can partner with. And I will also throw out there that there are a few organizations that we have that we do contractual work with for like payroll and stuff like that. So it's independent of fiscal sponsor. It's almost like a social enterprise in a way that like we're recouping some of our costs in that we're running payroll for a fee for an organization. So um, your, your 5 to 20% fee starts when there's a grant or monies or, or only start when there's grant money involved? Or so we have a, we have basically since that comes off of money that is managed by us, it starts when money hits our books. However, we've just started, um, redrafted kind of our, uh, process for becoming a fusion program in that we sign a six-month letter of agreement now with programs that come to us that don't have any any promissory funding or grants that are, like if foundation doesn't have money if you come to us without money in hand then we sign what is called a uh, emerging program we sign you on as what is called what we call an emerging program which means it's a six-month letter of agreement and you um, agree to pay, pay a $250 uh, emerging program fee within the first six months. This is not due like right on the dot or whatever, but 
that can be fundraised within that first six months for your organization. And what that fee guarantees is like five hours of our time in consulting. Um, but also that's that's kind of our way of recouping some of the, the time costs like of just simple things like putting you on the website, getting you in, uh, put into our online funding platforms, stuff like that. Um, also the liability or the risk that we're taking on by, you know, signing you on under our program, the compensation for that would be that $250. And then if you have money from that point forward, then we just keep you going as a, as a comprehensive fiscally sponsored program. Um, Something just came, um, the crowdsourcing, um, in case I have something like on my website to raise funds, uh-huh. how would that affect, you know, as far as my organization? So we actually support member organizations in doing that. So I said I just referenced our online doni- donation platforms. So we can get you signed up into, like, our system with that. So that's actually really convenient for programs because there's no check that has to come to us or anything like that. People can actually just make the donation. You don't even have to ever deal with the money. It just comes directly to to us. You do promote and design your fundraising campaign, but all of the donations, since they're made online, come to us digitally, which we can transfer then digitally into our bank account specifically so all you need to know is what the number is, you know, how much you raised and how much is left of it. Yeah, because I, I, I'm just writing it up right now. I haven't started anything. Mm-hmm. Any more questions? Okay. That's the spirit. You said um, one of the reasons that you could be turned down is because it's not a Baltimore focus. Like, mm-hmm. is it Baltimore City only? Yeah. So, like, Baltimore City, but not specifically within, like, the city limits. We're kind of flexible about that. Um, but, yeah, the majority of the work has to be done, done within Baltimore City. Not, for instance, necessarily, like, the legal limits, but you know what I mean? If some of your work is, like is straddling that city-county line. It's not, not a big deal for us. All right. Thank you. Any more discussion? We have had quite a bit of Q&A time. This is fantastic. <laughs> and the variety is fantastic, too. Any more questions? Yeah, one more. He was talking. I think someone said something about office space or whatever. Uh huh. Um, how you know? How would you? you know, if I saw something, I had to consult with you if I want to get space. Yeah. So the process generally with that is that um, if you found a space that you were interested in for your program, if you have funding for that space, or if you're about to start raising funding for right. a space. We then sit in on the or read over the lease, you know, depending on what you what you want from us. Right. Um, and we we definitely have to okay the lease, and we have to be the ones that sign it ultimately. But we also offer support in terms of negotiating that lease. Right. So, in case you want to pay for it out your own pocket, can you do that? I believe that would be possible. I don't know that it would be tax deductible okay. because you're part you're running that program. Right. Okay. 
Okay, I think at um, this time, what we'll do is we'll just highlight a few parts um, dealing specifically with the grants collection here at Enoch Pratt. And then, Keith, did you want to take um, questions afterwards, one-on-one? Yeah, uh, I would just throw out there that my email's up on the website. And, you know, if you have any questions, um, I'll be hanging around. But also, you feel free to shoot me an email if anything else comes to mind. It's keith.gavazzi at fusiongroup.org. Thank you, Keith. Before we give Keith a big round of applause, I just want to highlight some upcoming events with the grants collection and the few resources that either deal with fiscal sponsorship or relate to fiscal sponsorship. Um, One thing, if you're not familiar with the grants collection website, it is on the prattlibrary.org website, and it's under locations. And it does include not just information on the collection and the resources, but it also includes information on upcoming events. So fiscal sponsorships there. May 1st, we have Where Do I Begin? Best Social Media Practices for Nonprofits. There is a How to Start a Nonprofit Organization as well. That program will be on June 4th here in the Poe Room as well. And I just learned yesterday, even though it is not on the website, soon there will be a program dealing with diversity and fundraising. And that will be a panel discussion that will be on Thursday, June 6th at 12 p.m. here at the Poe Room at the Central Library. Um, You're more than welcome to give me a call or an email to register for that one, even though it hasn't been posted yet. And um, in case you want to contact me as well, there is a grants research grant process program for free coming up in Baltimore on May 1st as well. My program's at 1 o'clock. But at 9 a.m. over at the American Brewery building, which I believe is a Bel Air Edison neighborhood, they're going to be having a free three-hour program dealing with the grants research proposal writing process. And one of my bosses will be there doing the presentation. And so you're in for a treat with Pat Pasquale from the Foundation Center Washington, D.C. office doing a presentation there to go along with another speaker that has a big grant um, writing background. The grant research and writing program that's for free, it's going to be on Wednesday, May 1st at 9 a.m., and it's going to be at the American Brewery. What I'm going to do is anyone that's in attendance today, I'm going to send an email so that way you have the link to register for that program. It's being sponsored by the Governor's Grants Office. Now with um, just a few more things here. With Grant Space, the Foundation Center website, Resource Center website, If you want to learn more about fiscal sponsorships to go along with all the great information that Keith has shared today, you would go to grantspace.org. They have what is known as Knowledge Base. And within the Knowledge Base, 
if you scroll down a little bit under the individual grant seekers category, there is a fiscal sponsorship category. Even though it's under resources for individual grant seekers, the information on that website is definitely specific to not just the individuals that want to be fiscally sponsored, but those of you that have a group that has a innovative program and project that needs funded as well. The information is there right at GrantSpace. And when you um, click on something like what is fiscal sponsorship, you get a web guide. So it's a combination of websites, webinars, videos. It includes the fiscal sponsor directory and a few of the other resources that Keith has referred to today, including the book Fiscal Sponsorship, Six Ways to Do It Right. <laughs> and finally... Also at the Pratt Library website, besides the grants and nonprofit um, resource center website, under research help and research tools, you do have a grants and nonprofit organization resource tool section. And one of the latest guides that's been put up there is one on how to start a nonprofit in Maryland. That one just debuted a little over a month ago, and there are some other web guides there as well. And one of the parts that's definitely highlighted in how to start a nonprofit in Maryland is think about other options. You know, if you feel like nonprofit 501c3 incorporation isn't for you, you have your volunteer opportunities, and you can look in the fiscal sponsorship as well. Um, I'll be available. At the, after the program is done to take questions as well. And um, at this point, I really want to thank Keith very much for today's program. And I want to thank you, the audience, for and, um, attending today's program and really just having such a great variety of questions to ask away at. And um, thank you so much. You do have an evaluation form. Those evaluation forms are vital to fill out to continue keep getting programming done, not just in the grants collection, but throughout the Enoch Pratt Free Library. When you're done filling those out, please put them on the back table that is to the right of the coffee makers. You'll see a very colorful coffee mug. You can just lay the evaluation forms there. Thank you very much.